Hi, and welcome to the Just Riding Along show. Hello, and welcome to episode 124. Tonight's show is brought to you by the sadness of no bread update. So <laughs> that's how I'm going to start the show. And then Andrea is going to take over and talk about what she's done and do the patrons first. Because oh, I Fuck, I just put a big piece of chocolate in my mouth. Hold on. Because I literally just walked in the door. I haven't had dinner. And it's been, the last few days has been busy. So while Andrea chews chocolate, I'm going to keep blabbering. But not talk about anything I've been doing so I don't get caught up in what I've been doing and then not eat while she's talking. Because she's going to start talking So now. you want me to do patrons first? Let's do patrons first, and then you'll go, and then Kenny can go or something. Who All knows? right. We got Zozo, Zach, Will, Tom, Todd, Ty, Tennessee Zach, Taperboard Pro, Smells Like Sweat and Fear, Sam, Ryan, Raylo from the Block, Parker, Nobody Expects the Spanish Inquisition, Noah, Nick, My Pal Dal, MTB Shenanigans, Lloyd Christmas, Leland, Kevin's Tiny Erect, Dick, Kenny Sucks, Ken, Josh, Josh, Jeff, JC, Jara Dix, Jake, Green Giant, Gordon, G-Man, Frank the Tank, F That Guy, Mark, Ezra, Evan, Eric, Dan, Cam Irish One, Billy Single Speed, Bill, Bo, Barry McCockiner, Baggins, and then it runs out of space. Alec, AJ, Aaron, Esker Cycles at 1169, Lead Out Sports, and Josh at 14 Australian, Dean at 16.50, Scott at 20, then Poop Wrench, Joe, Brady, Anthony, Harley at 30, Troy at 31, and Six Pack Outdoors at 50. I was a little thrown off there. I wasn't really expecting to just have to like jump right into this. I usually have, you know, kind of like a, a little... Like a little bit of time for warm up, but instead I'm eating. <laughs> Matt's got half of a chicken sandwich in his mouth right now. He looks like a chipmunk, but all right, well, I'll go first. Since I'm talking, uh, it has been a long week. Matt and I worked on the shed. He's taken a long weekend. I, Other than that, I've been mountain lion hunting, and it's been a hell of a week of that. I haven't had any success yet, but I went to my favorite spot where I uh, really ever since early this year, back during turkey season, I'd been seeing the same mountain lion track. And I say same because they all have like a, they're similar shaped, but some are a little different than others. Uh, their stride length is different size of the track is different. Been seeing what looks like the same track really since April in this one spot. It crosses this one part of this drainage somewhere in the first hundred meters of this little valley, like a little creek bottom. And I uh, have, since the season started, more or less have not been able to track it down, just snow conditions, running out of daylight, whatever. And uh, I went, gosh, what day was that? It was the day it was it after the day after it snowed or something? It was Saturday morning. Okay. Saturday morning, I got there around, I don't know, probably 9 a.m., a little bit late, and some dudes with hounds were leaving the little parking area. I was like, huh, that's weird. Like, no one ever hunts there. It's weird. People occasionally hike in there just a little bit, but it's generally there's not really much going on there. And I, you know, they, they leave the parking area. I, you know, get, get all my stuff, get out of the, the truck, walk around this little gate and there is a sled mark with a blood trail i'm like holy shit they came in here and killed that mountain lion and sure enough i sleuthed around for a while i followed their trail they did exactly what i would have done they walked in the track was right at the very bottom of this little creek drainage and they let the two dogs loose and it treed the lion and they they took it out and i went and found the track like it was probably the one that i've been seeing a lot and uh yeah it's gone but you know i was definitely 
I have to say I was sad and I was really I was kind of mad at first like I was like god they got my lion they came to my spot and it's like well it's come on it's it's public land you don't own a spot you don't own animals it's it's okay but you know it's just disappointing like you you track an animal enough you kind of you feel like you know it a little bit you have like a one a one sided relationship with this animal, and uh, so yeah, I had like a stalker one sided relationship with a mountain lion, and uh, it's gone. But I ended up, I went up and tried to find my Garmin Inreach, uh, where I had lost it a few weeks ago. Didn't find it, but then found another mountain lion track of a bigger mountain lion, and this one is definitely not hunting rabbits like the other one was. It is hunting deer. Uh, I looked, you know, it was an older track, but I followed it a little bit. Went back and picked it up again in a different spot today and it is pretty much bouncing between deer and elk bedding areas and moving east along the uh kind of along the rainbow trail so that's kind of what I'm I've been up to this week is just shed building mountain lion hunting no bikes but Kenny what have you been up to because Matt's still cramming sandwich in his face No bicycle stuff for me. I'm still waiting on some retuned suspension. So when that comes in, I will report back. Been building a normal full power Levo for my brother. That one is just going to be a base carbon Levo Levo, uh, Fox 36 e-bike specific fork. Uh, For those that don't know what that is, it's just a burlier 36 that has like thicker stanchions, maybe like a different crown. I'm not positive all the changes, but it's just a burlier 36 and it uses a 34 air spring because of the thicker stanchions. Oh, uh, that's weird. Damn. Yep. <clears throat> uh, they feel really nice though. They might actually be onto something. I think there's a reason why a lot of companies try to go with smaller air springs. That's why probably the 38 is the way that it is. Um, yeah, because it's got, excuse me, it's got like an extra tube inside the stanchion that the air spring goes in. And there might be other reasons. I haven't really thought about it too hard on the 38s. Other than they do have some issues here and there with leaking because there's more seals and stuff. Uh, Anyway, so 36 fork, EXT, Estoria, rear shock with a cascade link, which adds a little bit of progressivity to the Levo so that you can run a coil and make it ride a little bit better. And what else is it getting? GX transmission and probably something else I'm forgetting. But essentially, it's a Levo carbon with Fox Fork, EXT Rear Shock, and some robots. So that'll be cool. But yeah, other than that, no bicycling for me. I did take another trip down south, and we rode Tokerville Twister again. And then we did some exploring in a different spot, like on the... I should probably know what state is below my state. (laughs) Arizona. Let me look at states. Maybe it's Nevada. It's Nevada or Arizona. Aren't Aren't both those near me? I don't know. I know uh, I'm not close to West Virginia. That's Arizona's a lot, or Nevada's a lot closer to California, though. Okay, but see, I'm not wrong. Like, I'm in a corner here. Like, if I'm in the corner of almost St. George. Yeah, so George is down you in could the, be, the yeah, three there's, corners area. There's definitely three states you could be in right there. But no, we were in Arizona for just a little bit. So but I anyway, was fucking just, right. You were fucking right. You know your state's really good and other stuff you do good, too. <laughs> Uh, so we were in Arizona a tiny bit, which, uh, it turns out it looks the same as Utah. You would think it would be different, but it's really the same. And it was fun. Found some random stuff. I found, I'll have to post the video slash maybe picture of it. I found a hole in the ground 
and it was a really weird hole. It almost looked like maybe it could be from like a bomb or like... Was it like a crater? It, it was like a crater, but a crater looks... You can tell that it's a crater by the way that it is, and this was not that way. <laughs> like there's no... So imagine if you were looking at the horizon and you're just like on your bicycle or in this case a motorcycle... You could actually just accidentally fall in this hole. There is zero. So it's like a reverse mesa. Exactly. <laughs> which, which, so reverse mesas are a thing, obviously. Like if you're at the top of a mesa and then how it looks on the side of it, right? But this was a reverse mesa that was a perfect circle. And it was probably 100 to 200 feet in diameter. Aliens. So big, big, but not huge. But completely flat. There was no cusp. There was no, like, if it was a bomb or, like, an asteroid meteorite. I don't know what the difference between those two. Asteroids are in space. Meteorites hit the Earth, right? right. So, anyway. Well, they, they at least enter the atmosphere. Great. So, if it was a space rock, let's call it that. <laughs> if it was a space rock that hit the Earth, it would, like, probably eject. Like, all that dirt that was there has to go somewhere, right? So, you would think you would, like... There would be a rim uh, or whatever you'd call that. Anyway, it was just bizarre because it was Would it completely... be a gym rimlet? <laughs> it was completely and totally flat. Like you could almost fall in this damn hole if you were going fast. <clears throat> Super crazy. Just a bizarro. Like what in the world causes that? I have no idea. So anyway, that was really weird. I did for a second think about dropping down into it on the moto, but... Uh, it was probably a solid five foot vert on the top. Plus it was about 80 feet deep and it was definitely, you know, we'll call it a 45 degree angle. It's rideable maybe, but I think you'd need more horsepower and more skill than I have. Cause I think if you drop down in there, you could actually have to live there. <laughs> but I did briefly consider it because you could totally just make the drop. Um, like on the moto, a little drop like that is not a huge deal. You could totally just drop down in, you go to the bottom and the bottom even had like probably a, a 10 foot diameter that was completely flat as well. So you could even like get a little bit of speed, but you're not gonna, I just don't think you're going to get up the five feet vert at the top of this thing. But yeah, very bizarre. Kenny, so did you happen to have a Geiger counter with you? Because you might've gotten irradiated. <laughs> I don't know. Do it's you very have possible, GPS right? coordinates for it? I can get GPS coordinates for it for someone. And we could probably try to look up on maps, but I got it on GoPro. Like I walked around it so you could see it. Oh, damn. It's kind of crazy. I might send it to you. I'll send it to you guys so you can see what you think. It was just so bizarre. I'll see uh, if uh, I, I posted in Slack to see if uh, Geology Jake would have any idea what, what that would be. Yeah, I think he's going to call it a, I think the technical term is a reverse mesa not call, not caused by a space rock. <laughs> is definitely what it what it is so yeah did some exploring a lot of neat stuff utah is really cool every time i go down south i have a really good time there's just so on one hand it's a real bummer because st george is growing so fast and it's it's a bummer to see neighborhoods and everything encroach on areas but it's really big out there there's just more stuff out there and you can go build more trails and you can kind of like do whatever you want it really doesn't matter which is really you cool. know what needs to happen What's i think that? your bike shop needs to open a remote location out there yeah that has been that's been in talks for 10 plus years because saint george is such a iconic thing in relation to salt lake city everybody knows saint george and half the people that live in salt lake have a house in saint george it's really crazy so yes it, it would be a natural 
it would be a natural progression. But with our operating structure, having stores the way we do, you know, we, we can do our if we add another location now in the valley, it's really not a huge deal. We just have to staff it. Like that's really the biggest problem. But everything else will just kind of fall in line. We'll just do another run to that uh, store with the van. But St. George, far enough away that there's a lot more weirdness that we got to deal with. And then, you know, a regional person who has oversight obviously has to then go down there all the time. There's just, there's a lot to it, but definitely not outside the realm of possibility. You know, I'm, but looking, there's at, also, I'm looking at satellite view of North Arizona mm-hmm. and there are holes like what you're describing that look like they're kind of all over the place. It's also very possible. Like if I was in the 1940s and 50s and like to play with nuclear weapons, this is definitely a place that I would probably blow some of them up. So highly possible these were, <laughs> I don't know what's. <laughs> Maybe I should bring a Geiger counter. I don't know. I'm going to bring up this satellite. Well, as you guys talk about other things, I am going to look around a little bit and maybe I can find one of these holes and I can overlay it because uh, I do have a Strava track plus the actual GoPro. What else is going on? <sighs> With the moto side of things, I talked about an eighteen twenty one combo. That's all really good. Yeah, the bike rides good. I don't really have a whole lot of complaints. It's definitely different than an ultra lightweight Talaria or Sauron, so just have to kind of adapt my riding. But so far, so good. I think that's about it for me as far as things that have been happening. Uh, I'll travel for the holidays more than likely, go drop that new bicycle off, and that's really it. All right. Well, Matt, now that you're finished eating, what happened today? I haven't talked to... So between me being out of phone service a lot in the last two days and Matt being in Colorado Springs, which I think he like puts his phone inside of the Land Rover and shuts the door so he doesn't hear it. He's giving me a dirty look right now. (laughs) So how far away is Colorado Springs from you? Two hours of flat out driving. Okay. I I thought I was going to burp there. Oh my God. (laughs) There it was. I knew it was coming. Yeah. So from Rover to front door is just over two hours. Troy's house to front door is just under two hours. So... We recorded on Wednesday. I think I slacked off and I might have ridden the trainer again after that. Yeah, I rode the trainer Wednesday before we recorded and then Thursday morning and then Friday. Friday, did I go get material? I don't remember. But then Saturday, got up, did the, started working on the shed while Andrea was gone to hunt and got a considerable amount done by myself. And then on Sunday, she came home Saturday, and we started some stuff. That's what it was. Fuck, I can't remember. Sunday was, like, I got home early afternoon Saturday and helped you a little bit, but you were already kind of like, you'd run out of materials or something. Oh, that's right. So Saturday, we worked on the shed, and then we went and bought more stuff. And then Sunday, we worked on the shed all day in earnest, and I ran out of stuff again. Uh, I mean, you got to understand that you always use more material than you think you might, but also given the like towing capacity limitations of my trailer like it's really better to just buy a little bit of stuff at a time and like use it up and then go buy more and use it up you know i i don't have the ability to bring home a shed worth of stuff in one trip so 
Uh, yeah, that was Sunday, and then Monday we did more shed stuff. We went and bought material and used that too, right? I think so. It doesn't matter. It doesn't. We did a lot of shed stuff. We we did a lot. It's got of a shedding. roof, like it. It has the base of a roof on it now. Yeah. Without without the actual roof panels. Yeah. So there's uh, it's going to be four sided building, of course. I'm building the the last wall last, or the sorry, the fourth wall last because. Right now, without a wall in the way, you have a 10-foot opening you can walk through and hand stuff up to the roof or access the other side, whatever. So we have the like the floor joists, the uh, floor sheeting down, three walls are built, the rafters are hung and blocked out, the roofing, like the roof sheeting's on, and most of the lath to attach the metal roofing is on as well and it's going great uh andrea's help was super appreciated and then on tuesday morning i got up drove to colorado springs and troy and i started on rover stuff and it was all a little haphazard but it was all really good at the same time meaning we didn't get a whole lot of stuff done on we were just going to we were going to like work a little bit on my truck and a little bit on his truck and the way things worked out we we ended up doing a huge huge organization in the workshop area over at the storage unit um pulled in a new box pulled out some old stuff took some stuff to the metal recycler uh pulled the glass out of the my truck came with two rear hatches one of them was folded in because it got rear-ended by a truck that wasn't running but also (laughs) didn't have brakes i later found out (laughs) uh found out the full story of uh they were pulling an old international out that hadn't ran in a while and they found out it didn't have brakes when it was rolling and then rolled into the back of the rover that they pulled it out with so (laughs) pulled the glass out of that got it in the metal dumpster got some stuff done started working on putting some parts on troy's truck got troy's truck torn down a bit uh Got an extra toolbox that he had from his workshop at home, brought that over, organized all the tools to like a level that's never happened over there before. And then today we really got like, that was yesterday. Then the organization started really in, in earnest this morning, uh, built up or got all that stuff tidied up, got some more stuff thrown away. And then one of his friends stopped by and while Troy was helping him with a small problem that turned out to be not so small... I, it's never just a small problem. Never just a small problem. I got some. Troy got new wheels, or he had a second set of wheels, but he got new tires on those wheels. So I got his new wheel swapped onto his rover. Shelved up the old wheels in storage. Got some. Ran to the office for him and picked up some parts that were delivered there. Organized all that stuff. Got the rear skid plate installed for the gas can skid plate yeah gas tank skid plate installed on his truck new steering damper and then i don't know the terms for these drag link and trailing link whatever's if or the the steering arms on non-ifs trucks i can't remember the names of them to save my life um got that stuff installed and it's uh it's really cool um i don't know how else to say it but like it, it, once you know how like some mechanical things work you look at something else mechanical and you're like huh i bet uh i bet i can figure out how this goes together and sure enough you take the bolts out of the old one and then you put those same bolts back in the same spot on the new one and uh shit just works <laughs> so 
That was pretty cool. Then tore off a bunch of shit on his truck, and I left and drove home and walked in the door, immediately went and grabbed clothes. Andrea had dinner ready for me because she's the best. Uh, Grabbed clean clothes, grabbed a beer out of the fridge, took a shower. The beer is still shower wet. The beer is still shower wet. And then sat down and ate while Andrea was talking. So... (laughs) It's the last five days have just been a flat out whirlwind. Uh, I feel like I've done, I don't know, 15 days worth of normal stuff in like the last five days. So, yeah, going full gas on home projects and hunting multiple days in a row. I'm, I'm also, I won't say the T word because I know it annoys some people. I'm pretty whooped. I'm fucking knackered. <laughs> I'm knackered. Uh, let's see. Then, oh, while I was at SRAM, a big pallet of was delivered. Is it something that's going to be released soon? I don't know. I'm just, I don't even know if that's like. It was just a pallet of something. It was just a pallet, like stuff was being unloaded. And I was like, new stuff. Like, I don't know what it was. I'm just being a dick. Um, yeah. Then what are we going to talk about next? What's new shit that we hate? All it's right. weird. We don't normally do new shit that we hate after this. Or do we have a bunch of listener questions? Um, we have a few listener let's, questions. Do you want to do those first? Let's go on new shit. I, I need to get oh. some hate out. Okay. Because uh... I laid under a Land Rover and got rained on by old Moab dirt and sadness today. So This is for, for Kenny. There is a company called Bike Ahead. They're making a six-spoke carbon wheel called the Bi-Turbo X. Uh, they also make one for cargo bikes, but it is an e-bike approved six-spoke carbon wheel. So, Kenny, you can take those Rovals off and put these on your bike. I did see those. I didn't actually click on the link because I wasn't that interested. Uh, we keep... I don't know why we keep thinking it's a good idea to make carbon-spoked wheels. They it's, never go out of true because they're carbon-spoked. Uh, they don't ever seem to really last or actually do those things. So maybe they stay sort of wheel-shaped. <laughs> but also, like on a mountain bike, wheels live a pretty hard life. And smashing a wheel, you have the ability to rebuild it. Whereas on one of these one-piece things, it's dunsies. Especially on a mountain bike. Maybe on like a road bike, possibly if they could pull that off, it makes a little bit more sense. But on a mountain bike, eh. Did you see how much they weigh and how much they cost? I didn't look at either. Uh, tell me. I'm, I have a feeling I'm going to be bummed. So the, the standard uh, e-bike compatible one in 29 is 1,580 grams. If you go to the one that's made for like heavy plow on big e-bikes, it's 1,830 grams. Got and it. They are no, 3,600 3, euros. 29, and they're 4,000 US dollars. I just don't. So, I don't understand. If they did something better, the only thing that you brought up, Andrea, that some type of three-spoke, four-spoke, six-spoke, whatever, basically not traditionally, uh, no removable hub-spoke rim, and it's all one piece in some fashion, I, the only upside is, yeah, maybe you don't have to true them, but how often do you really have to true a modern wheel? Very, very infrequently. Yeah, I mean, if it's built right, then you only 
you might true it, but more than likely with a good carbon rim. And especially carbon. Carbon wheels, you just don't really ever true them. I can't remember the last time that I've trued one of my own carbon wheels. I'll check them, and sometimes I'll get super anal, and I'm bored, and I'm like putting on a new tire and retaping it. So I've already got everything off, and I'm like, well, why don't I check spoke tension and this and that? And maybe I'll bring it up like a quarter turn all the way around and maybe true up one tiny spot that's out one millimeter. But it's completely unnecessary. You don't even have to do it. So, eh, yeah, I don't get it. I don't get it. Yeah, it's not like a carbon rim's going to ever go egg-shaped. It's either round or it's broken. Well, and also, for $4,000, you could have two pairs of Bird Hawk 30s. And realize, like, they sent us some for sample, and the demo failed. I just bought them at the end. It was a foster fail. Yeah, foster fail. Um, I you can save four hundred and eighty grams a wheel set, and buy two of them. You could buy two bird wheel sets, nearly. I mean, within ten percent for the total cost of this wheel set. And one other thing, talking about wheel shrewing, I bought a pair of wheels from Andrea. She she had those light Knox rims, and I or those what are they Tia Callies? And you wanted no, I have T I had the Tia Callies still. You bought the Farlows from me. Okay, you know when my Farlow front wheel had the nipples turned for the first time in the ownership, which is from like 2019 into 2019 through current for me. It's when Scott Banks rebuilt the entire wheel because the hub shell was cracked. Yep. Oh, that has nothing to do with the rim. The <laughs> hub cracked. Yeah, exactly. And also, think about if you have some weird free hub issue or other hub issue. Uh I mean, that doesn't happen all the time, right? But it happened to you. So, I I don't I don't get it. I'm not on board. If there was something cool, like it was super duper difficult to do, and that's why no one's done it, which is also true. There's just, even if someone did figure out a way to do it and do it reasonably priced, I just, I don't see it catching on. Well, Sorry. also look at like the Tour de France and all that. If, if the spoke, like the carbon monocoque wheel was actually better, like that mag style wheel was better, they would race them in the Tour, but they don't because they're not better. All right. We, we want gonna, to move on. We're going to rip into these eight degree float pedals. Yeah, it's a flat pedal that has four degrees each direction of float. So you put your foot on, your little, the little pins stick into your shoe so you can't rotate your foot, but the pedal itself will rotate on the spindle. So, I, don't know, I mean, I'm thinking like someone who's got like a weird leg or something, or might have ankle problems or. I can see this being useful in some places, but it seems like it would add a lot of moving parts to something that works pretty well already. I don't know. Kenny, are you looking? Have you have you seen these? They're called, oh, let's see, eight degree pedal. It's just eight degree pedal. I did see that news article as well and also did not click on that one. <laughs> right now I'm sending you some pictures of my hole. All right. I'll pull up the pictures of your hole while Andrea starts ripping the next thing apart. I don't think I'm going to rip this apart. So Rotor is making a direct mount power meter for Shimano cranks. Uh, I don't know how well their power meter works. I have no experience with them. Uh, But they have made one for their own cranks already. And now you can get one for Shimano cranks. That is actually interesting. And it makes sense that SRAM has not made one because why would they? Yeah. I mean, they already make the best. on the other hand, if they're proud of their stuff... Why would you not? There's maybe some other engineering things I'm not thinking of, but they could totally, Quark could totally make a Shimano specific one. 
Yeah, I'm sure could. they've maybe discussed it, but yeah, probably not worth it to do that one. But it makes sense. Like that's a that's a fairly legitimate hole that like is yeah, that's pretty neat. I can't I can't really shit on that. Yeah. So if any of our listeners have used the rotor direct mount one, uh, or if any of you get the rotor Shimano direct mount one, uh, let us know how it works. Let us know you know reliability, uh, what you think as far as like the power numbers. I mean. Look, if you've trained with power for a long time and you get on a power meter that just isn't doing right, you'll know. Uh, Like one time my trainer, for whatever reason, was not jiving with, uh, oh gosh, I forgot what program. I think I might have been trying to use training peaks to drive it or something. I don't know, but it was it was not right. Like it was uh, giving like it was like way too much resistance it was saying like 200 watts was actually you know when i was doing 200 watts it would say i was doing 180 or something it was it was pretty far off and i could just, i could just tell like i knew in the first workout that something was wrong so you know it, you just kind of know that stuff if you've been doing it a while if you have any experience with these let us know um especially you know if you had issues like how did they deal with it that kind of stuff yeah it's cool it fills a hole that needed to be filled. Ready for the next thing? I haven't even read this article, but the grips looked interesting. Lizard Skins is doing a 3D printed, uh, they call it the new 3D GRP, which I think means grip, with digital light synthesis. I don't know what that is, but it sounds fancy. I'll have some dead air while I read this. I just don't care. <laughs> I like flat out... I don't care. Yeah, I mean, grips are another thing, kind of like saddles. Once you find the one that you like that jives with your body, then, I don't know, like, you're probably just not going to change. You might try, like, one or two things every now and then, kind of like I have, but you just end up going back to the thing that you're comfortable with. How much does it cost? $52 grips. A $52 round grip. Go fuck yourself. (laughs) Fuck your mom. (laughs) All right, Matt, I've also sent you a video of my hole. Where? It's uh, it's on the old Gmails. Oh, yeah. All right. I'll look at that later. <laughs> I'm trying to not click too much. What else we got? Uh, that's all I had pulled up for new shit. Kind of a quiet week. I mean, there's some other stuff, but I just don't really give a fuck about. Well, eventually, as winter keeps taking hold and uh, new shit slows down, we'll have to talk more about the stuff that's like kind of boring instead of it's just- pretty slow. Yeah. It's pretty slow. I know for a fact there's going to be some pretty cool stuff from specialized i can't say what it's going to be but there's it's going to be a pretty cool it's going to be a pretty cool year i have to say that bike rumor did a great headline with this product it's a down to bottle mount they it's a beverage clip and it's uh, there's a beer inside of this in the picture like a tall can of beer and the headline is like warm shaken beer check out the jank beverage clip <laughs> Which, uh, I don't know. I don't think we could one-up that. It's it's pretty... It looks like it's not adjustable. It's just a 3D printed... It looks like a giant tire lever. And uh, it just clips a... Oh, you have to buy the size that you want. You can get a 12-ounce, a 16-ounce, or a 19.2-ounce-sized clip. And it clips your canned beverage onto your frame. Wow. Yeah. I mean, at least it's cheap. 20 bucks. But that's cool. kind of it. New shit's a little slow. We do have... So last week we asked uh, what company has been taken over by a bigger company and gotten better. And we have a note from Tom, as we expected. Uh, He starts out with a little bit of... I don't know. uh, I'll just read it. Often a job ends and you don't find out about it until later. 
You're at your job with all your peer douches stitching together widgets or whatever, and somewhere that you aren't, a decision has been made. Someone has left. Someone has tired of paying for your operation. Whatever. Maybe you find out from an email or phone call. Maybe the news comes. You didn't put away your tools at the end of that day. Oh, that must be about gorilla gravity. Yeah, but it's just wild. Yeah. Uh, Then he goes on. Back when RockShox was a solo outfit, they were okay. I had owned a Judy, so I had some severe negative attitudes towards them. I was running Marzocchi stuff early 29 and had the severe misfortune to buy buy a White Brother BW.8, the most expensive shitty fork ever. Then SRAM bought them. The first I heard about it was from our Fisher rep, Lester, who had a brand new Reba. What? We've met Lester. I'm pretty sure. So what was the first fork released from RockShox under the SRAM badge? Do you guys know? I don't know. Well, I'm wondering when that was. In his story, he says Lester had a brand new Reba to show us. Fisher had exclusive on that fork for a year, I think. I bought it from Lester on the spot. It was an okay fork. Not a great fork, but a better 29 fork than what was available until Fox entered the market. And now look, they seemed really small time before SRAM. Corporate money and power helped. And finally, yeast. It does far more than make foamy. Baking powder is kind of a trick, I think. Yeast is the OG. And for anyone who doesn't think yeast is awesome, it eats starch and shits alcohol. So, that's it. But I agree. I think that was a good observation. I think RockShox is an example where it got better. Yeah. Without a doubt. For sure. So, more homework for everyone else. Think about, especially in a cycling industry, who was bought by a bigger company that got better? Yep. I don't know. Are there any, like, was Surly a thing before QBP? Like, was Surly a, a frame place and then QBP's like, Ooh, yeah, we want great that. Great question. Yeah, Surly, Salsa, I don't know on either of those. Let me hit up the Google for a second. No, it says Surly was developed in-house at the Minnesota-based Quality Bike Products in the 1990s. So There you go. Yeah, they were not their own brand first. That's the only one I could really think of. We haven't really gotten any other stuff from our listeners, I don't think, unless I just missed it like in Slack or something. All right. Um... Other listener stuff? Oh, Kenny, we have uh, from listener Dennis. Says fries at Costco.com. You have to be in the business center site. And he sends us a link. So you have to, you can't buy them in the store. You got to get them like mailed to you? I guess. I don't know. This is, they've got a big bag of Orida golden tater tots, eight pounds. And then you can I get actually, boxes I did see, of fries. I did see tots. I saw tots the other day. I was very surprised. Oh, they must have listened. Maybe. You know what I haven't tried yet is tot waffles, which is where you take I tater tots. I don't know what that is. You put tater tots in a waffle iron and you smash them into a waffle shape and they're extra, like it makes them really, it's more, makes them more crisp than mushy. Fascinating. Yeah. I've never thought about putting potatoes in my waffle iron. I have hmm. a little small one, but yeah, there's lots of, if you click on this link that he sent, there are a lot of different types of potatoes, including big boxes of them, like five pound boxes of French fries. I did something pretty crazy the other day. What was that? I put I put a hamburger patty in my air fryer and it like worked pretty good. It was really surprising. So if you're feeling mildly lazy, and you don't feel like, or maybe it's ultra cold outside or your grill is out of gas or broken or whatever. If you don't want to put a burger on the grill, just put the burger in the air fryer and it doesn't like super stink up your house or like shoot oil everywhere like you would on a stovetop. So kind of cool. All right. 
Yeah. The air fryer is the George Foreman grill of the 2000s. It seems cool, but, you know, we just don't, like, I wouldn't mind having one, but our kitchen is really small, and we don't have a place to put an air fryer. Like, when it's not in use, the countertop is pretty much maxed out. Like, if there's more stuff on the countertops than what there is now, I get claustrophobic, and just, you don't have enough space to do anything. So, yeah, we just, we don't have room for one, and they're not 100% necessary, so we just don't have one. I think for, if I was going to do, like, a small travel trailer, and you had to be really picky on uh, on what you have in there, like, what uh, appliances you have in there, you could do, like, a small microwave, right? Because all these new solar um, generators are pretty phenomenal. Like, you can run just about any household item on them. But I think the two things that I would have are an air fryer and a coffee machine, like a, in my case, an espresso pod machine, because they're both not physically very big and you can cook just about anything in the air fryer, which is pretty cool. So anyway, just a thought. All right. We have one more listener question and I can look on Slack for a uh, listener content as well. This is from Square Peg Around Hole says, I have a SRAM transmission set up on my mountain bike, and I'd like to use it on a wheel-on trainer. Last year, I made a trainer wheel with a road tire and a single-speed cog. But this year, I'm not sure about compatibility now that I'm on the T-type chains. Got any ideas or suggestions on what would work without having to swap out front rings etc. Could I run the same rear cog with a T-type chain or would I need to swap to an older chain for the trainer? I have a wolf tooth drop stop B front ring. That's a pretty good question because a T-type chain has slightly larger rollers is what we've learned. So it meshing into a non-T-type chain ring slash cog could be a problem. I think it's going to want to ride kind of on top of it. So that's an interesting one. Ooh, is anyone, I just don't know. We need to talk I mean, to someone who's got a T-type chain on just a single speed if that's, if yeah, that's happening. Yeah, why would anyone do that? Because they're expensive I don't think that's and they a thing. forever. Yeah, but they're different size essentially. So I don't know if we're ever going to see that. And T-type right now, correct me if I'm wrong, but T-type is only used on one by 12 speed mountain bike wireless axis, correct? Like that is it. Yeah. And a T-type chain is obviously not backwards compatible with other stuff, but T-type cogs are backwards compatible with older chains. Well, what I would do if I was in his situation is try the same setup with your T-type chain. And if it doesn't work, then yeah, you'll need a different chain chain for the trainer. Yeah. I mean, if that is the case, just snag a GX chain. But if you were doing a single speed cog... The roller size is different. No, no. What I was going to get to, though, if you had your mountain bike like set up ready to ride and then you put it on a single speed cog, how is that chain short enough? The derailleur's still on there. Oh, yeah, duh. He just puts I'm the derailleur making a bike in, a single speed. in arbitrarily like the fourth yeah, shifter yeah. position and then just doesn't touch the shifter when he's on the trainer. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that's what I would do. I'd just test it out and if it doesn't work, just get a you know a cheap GX chain or whatever works for you. And I think your chance of, I mean, the, the one thing you're going to run into is you're not supposed to reuse power locks and 99% of the time a reused one will work. I mean, that's what I carry, like for emergency repairs on the trail, I have a used power lock. But there's like that 1% of the time that it doesn't work. 
Yeah, never forget. I once crashed and I got up and my chain wasn't on my bike anymore. And it's not like my chain came apart and I crashed. I slid out the front wheel and landed on the ground. And when I got up, my chain was no longer, my power link popped open and the bike wasn't doing, like, no longer pedal stuff. Yeah, and you probably put it back on and it worked. Yeah, I'd been riding the shit out of it that week. Yeah, so, yeah, like I said, 99% of the time you're going to be okay. But there is that 1% of the time that your chain might not stay on your bike. Might be when you crash. It might be when you, you know, skip a pedal stroke in a technical section, whatever. But it's not a great idea to reuse those. Uh, Maybe the one that stays on the trainer, probably not a big deal. I don't know, because if you do standing and sprinting, you might introduce your junk to your sim. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's, That's up for you to decide. If you're going to reuse that or not, if you do switch chains. You're an adult. Also, I guess it too, it matters. Or like, I guess I would ask the question of like, what does this look like for you? Is this my bike's going on the trainer for the next three or four months? In that case, I wouldn't want to ride my nice chain. Like there's no reason to put, I know that the new like XX1 chains have been indestructible since 11 speed. And then, you know, T-type is even more gnarly, but why like why just sit and sweat on it indoors just put it in your little molten wax wax (laughs) just let it just freeze it in wax like it's frozen in carbonite yeah exactly like heat up the wax and then turn off the crock pot and put it on a little shelf with a hair like a shower cap over it so it doesn't get dirty no i was just thinking about putting it in a block of wax yeah but you don't want your wax to get dirty no it wouldn't matter then you just heat it up and no no you don't want like dust to settle on your wax you just blow it with a hairdryer and wipe it off (laughs) it melts into the (sighs) (laughs) all right well do we have anything else to talk i I, let me look on uh patreon slack if you want to join the misfits of our patreon slack you can join our patreon i did not buy a forbidden dreadnought by the way really yeah i just don't give a shit (laughs) i just I mean, I just don't care. Like, I thought really hard about it, and then I thought about everything that I would have to do to make the bike even somewhat rideable, and I just decided I don't care, and I'm not going to try it. Oh, here's a good question. This is from Phil My Wang. He says, I've seen it referenced in random places in bike instructions or videos, but is there grease that is not carbon safe since they reference using a carbon safe grease? So anything like and I I don't think he's talking about a carbon paste which is like a gritty grease. Sure. Just a regular smooth grease that is okay on carbon. So like some he uh Frank posts that Park references that on their instructions for their grease that it is safe for carbon. White Lightning Crystal Grease also says safe for carbon, but is there is there But that might be that might be a little bit like saying gluten free. There's some stuff that's very obviously gluten free. Like eye drops. Yeah. I have or some like eye drops rock. that say gluten free. Yeah, a rock uh meat. <laughs> so yeah, that doesn't have any gluten in it. Congratulations. It's a good question. It's a valid question because definitely petroleum products can do really weird stuff to certain rubbers and plastics for sure. So resin slash carbon. Uh I'm not I'm not a scientist, so I mean, you would think that carbon is pretty neutral as far as like reacting with other stuff, but I don't actually, I don't actually know that. And then of course you mix, it's not just ever raw carbon, right? Like there's going to be epoxy in it. And I don't know, I would assume that epoxy is probably in a very similar family to plastics, but I don't know. 
So yes, there is a possibility that maybe certain petroleum greases could cause issues with carbon. That's a that's a good question. I have to do more research. Also, I'm trying to think of the right way to word this. The grease manufacturer can't tell you that it's carbon safe. We want to get really nitty gritty about it because that implies that they know the resin that every carbon manufacturer has ever used and knows that it's safe. That is just a blanket statement that says, nah, it's carbon safe. But maybe all carbon is naturally safe to all greases and so then it comes back to oh it's just the gluten-free thing no what i mean is like if you don't know what resin they used then you don't know that it's safe they're not going to tell you what resin they used so i mean i get it there's probably some gnarly greases out there that like some farmer has that would you know the take... five gallon bucket of tracked grease no that shit's fine <laughs> i'm sure that shit's fine that's what pro gold that's grease what is. pro gold lube is that's what all this shit is there's probably some grease out there that is used in some weird industrial application and it like eats the paint off your car and makes your fingernails fall off and makes your carbon frame all noodly i don't fucking know <laughs> <laughs> all right uh and then we have one pro tip from jake he says if you have a top lock stem it's not a suggestion. And, you know, I think that's one thing that has slipped by a lot of bike mechanics for a long time. Uh, it's an Easton slash race face thing. And I don't know if there are any other stem manufacturers that do it. Almost all the specialized bikes are that way now. Okay. And you torque the top two bolts and then you torque the bottom two bolts. And Jake says that his handlebars rotated and it took him four tries to get them back level. But yeah, I mean, I've used those before. It's They usually have like a, I don't like the top, the interface between the face plate and the stem itself is kind of a funky shape. Specialized has made it very obvious. They laser etch all kinds of arrows. They're like, these arrows should be touching. Don't be dumb. <laughs> so yeah, if you have a, I guess, specialized or an Easton race face stem, make sure that your top is locked. And that's all I got for listener questions. Do you know why that design is that way? No. I have a feeling you're going to tell us, though. Do you know, Kenny? Nope. Uh, it's a better clamp. So if you think about your normal clamp as being 360 degrees and you take a slice, a two millimeter slice out of both sides, don't start questioning my math here. I'm a fucking redneck from Tennessee that now <laughs> lives in the hills of Colorado, and sometimes I have to take off my shoes to count over 12. <laughs> Don't ask me. I can get two above my fingers, and then I run out of breath. I was going to say, you have 12 fingers. <laughs> no, that's that's the joke. Uh, so you cut two millimeters out of both sides, and instead of having like 360 degrees minus two, let's just say that each millimeter causes two degrees of loss, so you lose four, mil four degrees on the top, four degrees on the bottom. Not a good idea. On the top lock, that top cut is a slit. So then when you clamp the bottom, you're clamping more surface full circle. And because you're controlling how that top is pinching, you're getting a more even clamping force around the stem. All right. It's like the old Matchmaker 1 from Abbott. You know, there was the two little arrows that you had to line up. And then the bottom two, or like the bottom bolt, you just snug that tight. Like you were to tighten the top one first and then tighten the bottom one to, to torque um, after like setting the control. And that's, it's just better. And I, I wish that every stem was that way because it, it just, I think that the end user has a way better chance of setting it up properly as well. Uh, of course, there's going to be this learning curve. Jake's a very intelligent person. He just overlooked the fact that his stem had a design that he wasn't used to. However, if people did stop and read the instructions and once 
it hopefully becomes more normalized, I think it will ba- make a much better like end user experience. It's ultimately safer because if you if you bar slip and you crash, shit sucks, right? But if your bars are set up well and they're easy to set up well, then it's easier to be safer. There you go. That would definitely, it's definitely, I've always liked, liked that design ever since it came out. Uh, it does make it easier. You don't have to kind of like eyeball the top and bottom and be like, ah, I think the two gaps are even. Maybe the bottom one, that that corner is a little different. You know, that's, it kind of takes that out of the equation, which is just faster and easier to set up as a mechanic. But that's all we got. Do I, do I push the button now? Um, yeah, you could. We've got, still have everything on sale on the JRA, JRA website. And, yeah, we've got, I think, 25 Partnership for Community Action stickers left to sell. So go there, buy some stuff, make your person in your life happy with some water bottles and stickers for whatever holiday you're celebrating right now. Fuck the holidays. It's capitalism. Spend money. (laughs) Do crimes. Instead of doing dishes after the holiday dinner, just set your whole kitchen on fire. <laughs> just sweep it all into the trash. No, just burn the whole kitchen down. No, like take it out in the yard and like blow it up with some tannerite or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So remember, it's the holiday season, so get drunk and shoot 10 pounds of tannerite at once from 75 yards. That's what I, I was watching some Instagram reel, and it was a, an Australian guy describing Australian Christmas. And it's basically, it's the middle of summer there, so they just drink a whole lot like basically from christmas until new year's and they like play with water slides and shit in the yard i mean it sounds like what people do here they drink a lot and they slide around on water that just happens to be frozen <laughs> it's not it kind of sounds like what people do for fourth of july here it's like a week of fourth of july yeah pretty much Jesus. i bet there's like fireworks and shit if i had to guess or incendiary devices of some sort you've never shot tanner right have you andrew no have you kenny no. I don't I don't feel good about shooting it around here because in the summertime everything wants to catch on fire. Yeah, so to give you an idea, we had ooh, I probably won't say the number because it might be an illegal amount. I don't really know. A, a humongous the largest amount of tannerite than you can imagine that one individual should ever have in their possession. <laughs> we had that with us and we were driving around Utah cuz yeah, what other place better than Utah to blow up some tannerite? And all the places that were really good out in the middle of nowhere you would drive in, and I'm not actually kidding right now at all. You would drive into one of these places, and the first sign on the road, like semi off the main road, was a big sign that says, hey, you with all that tannerite, don't do that out here. It's going to catch you on fire. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that is very specifically talking to me. So we decided not to do it. You'd have to do it here in the wintertime after a good snowfall. Somebody did shoot some tannerite up uh, in civilization right here in Draper, which was pretty crazy. <laughs> they hiked in, in the wintertime. They hiked to the top of the mountain. There was no people up there. They hiked to the top of the mountain that is very much like sprouting out of a neighborhood, essentially. Again, it. no danger of hurting any people, I don't think. I'm not saying this was smart. And by the way, this person was not me. I'm going to officially say that on record. <laughs> and they shot tannerite, and it was a humongous explosion everyone's like car alarms went off tons of people caught it on like nest doorbell cameras (laughs) and it was this just giant giant fireball on the top of the literally the top of the mountain where people um paraglide off of i'm trying to find i'm looking at it was so funny you can if you look up news look up like utah news the thing is they didn't actually call it tannerite like i knew it was tannerite very obviously nothing else does that 
And it's so funny because people's theories are like, oh, you know, just really funny what people thought it was because people are are super naive. (laughs) Aliens. My dad and I, we shot two pounds of it once. And uh, my mom immediately called him and started yelling at him. And (laughs) because she knew that if there was an explosion, it was your dad. Yeah, I mean I've told this before, but they they shot one of their friends' cremations out of a cannon. My dad cut down a tree by shooting a a D-cell battery out of a cannon once. Did it explode? What? The D cell battery. Like, how did it did, or was it just the force of the battery hitting the tree that? No, the battery. Uh, I mean, imagine a a projectile as heavy and big as a battery hitting a tree the size of your thigh. It didn't stand a fucking chance. <laughs> <laughs> and like, but we shot that Tannerite, and it obliterated the stump it was sitting on. And then, uh, like later on, like the local Facebook group, there were people like, did a transformer blow up? <laughs> so, nope, it's just Johnny. Just Johnny. Uh, yeah. So, I don't know. I really want to buy some, and uh, I just don't have anywhere good here to shoot it. But uh, uh, we could go up Kerr Gulch and do it. We would immediately get in trouble. It would echo out of that big like oh, yeah. shape thing, and we would definitely. You have to be. You have to be really in the middle of nowhere, or be like in the Memphis city limits where nobody cares, <laughs> because it's very, very loud. You'll be in. You'll be riding dirt bikes in the middle of nowhere in Utah, and you'll hear the biggest explosion of your life, and it's someone out there shooting Tannerite, and it's probably ten miles away from you. And and just as a PSA for our listeners who are getting ideas about shooting Tannerite, if you put it into a container, you have made something that is going to shoot shrapnel when it explodes. So just. Keep that in mind. Whatever container the Tannerite is in is going to blow apart in all directions, including towards you. So (laughs) don't kill yourself. Don't forget, an army veteran shot Tannerite in a lawnmower and lost his leg. (laughs) Did the blade get him? No, like the- Just parts of lawnmower? Just lawnmower parts just obliterated that man's existence. It turned the lower half of his leg into pink mist. Yeah, so don't put it into something that is going to- blow shrapnel in your direction and if you do make sure you're behind you know like a concrete no, just wall don't. no 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 i make jokes about driving with your eyes closed do not fuck around with tannerite i mean fuck around with it but do it safely like they sell a canister size and that's all you should shoot when you get buck wild you start mixing up multiple containers into a mayonnaise jar that's when you're asking for trouble <laughs> If you think, like, this would be rad if I filled a whole coffee can full of Tannerite, you're out of your mind. There's going to be coffee can shrapnel. It's coffee can. The coffee can is going to be turned into mist. Like, that coffee can is not going to exist anymore. But you need to be, like, way far away from it because the shockwave is going to, like, knock your eye sockets out. I don't know. Fuck. (laughs) All right. Well, I think that's all we got for tonight. So everyone's goal before next week is bake bread and safely shoot Tannerite. All right. You heard it, people. Thank you all for listening, and good night. Thanks for tuning in to the Just Riding Along Show. There's some shit coming out of your pants.